time right. We didn't have too many people turn up at 9 o'clock this, or 9.30 this morning. So well done in getting the uh, clocks back time right. As we uh, gather this morning, isn't it great to come with a sense of expectation, knowing that our God in heaven loves to meet with us. And so whether you're here for your first time, in which case a very warm welcome, and uh, we look forward to getting to know you, whether you're here for your 10th time or your 1,000th time, God still wants to meet with us. And isn't that good, that we have a loving Heavenly Father who delights to uh, draw us into his presence and to welcome us. And so we want to uh, come and spend this time together, this next hour, hour and a half together, worshipping God, singing songs to him, praying together uh, to him, hearing back from him and uh, dwelling in his word. And, and then we're going to do something really weird. We're going to just give all our money away. Ah, okay, more of you come to you, maybe asking, well, we have a special thing we call a gift week this Sunday. Uh, but if you're here for the first time, if you're a guest this Sunday, don't worry about it. Okay, that's not for you. You can participate if you want to, but that's not for you. Uh, but we are just here to meet with God. That's the key thing. This morning, we want to come and meet with Almighty God. So I'd like to invite you to stand where you are. Just let's stand for a moment if you're able. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Katie, who's going to lead us uh, uh, during our time together. If you do have a contribution you'd like to share, if you can come and find me at the front here, I've got a microphone. It just means that everybody will be able to hear. Let's enjoy God together. Katie. Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everybody. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can come in on a Sunday morning and feel like it's a bit of a bustle. You know, we come in, we might be rushing in a little bit, or we might have, the clocks might have changed and thrown us off a little bit. Don't know if anybody else feels like they've got jet lag already. Mm. Um, but sometimes we can come in and it's such a hustle and bustle, and then we, we, we start singing, and actually we haven't necessarily readied ourselves to be open to God. So I would like to encourage you, before we start singing this morning, we're going to sing, uh, To You Our Hearts Are Open, Nothing Here Is Hidden. Before we sing this song, can I encourage you to take a minute and prepare your heart to be open to God this morning. Prepare your heart. Open your heart to God. Show him that you are open to hear from him this morning, to receive him, to receive his goodness this morning. Lord, we do want to say our hearts are open to you this morning. We know that nothing is hidden from you. Nothing that we're feeling or going through this morning is a surprise to you. You know exactly where we are right in this moment. You know what our days hold for us. Lord, we thank you. We do want to welcome you here this morning. We want to sing our praises to you, and we want to encounter you this morning, Lord. Come and fill our open hearts this morning, Lord.
Thank you, Lord, that you, you have made a place for us. You welcome us, Lord. We love to welcome you, but Lord, you've made a place for us in your house. Thank you, Lord, that you take us as we are, however we've come this morning, Lord. Thank you that you love us and you've made a place for us. time for our children to go down to their groups. If you've not been with us before and you're not sure where to go, there are lots of parents heading in the right direction. I'm sure they'll be really happy to show you where you need to go.
you came for me because of your wonderful love and your mercy and your grace. And you love everyone the same. Such is your love. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I praise your name that I'm your child. I'm your child this morning. And I'm going to be your child forever. Praise your name. No. 
yeah, the, uh, that word trust has just been going around my mind as, uh, as they've been playing that and seeing that through. I don't want us to go past this moment right now because I feel that God wants to do something in us. If you're here this morning and you don't know what that word trust means with your relationship with God, maybe things in your life haven't been going as you had planned. Well, this morning, we can trust in a God that is faithful. He is a firm foundation. I don't know if you've uh, seen that thing where people do a trust fall uh, with their friends, where they let go and their friend uh, catches them or something like that. But I feel like God wants you to do that this morning with him. To abandon all hope in anything else and trust in him. Trust in him with your situation, your finances. Maybe you're stuck this morning, you're thinking, how do I how do I go on from this morning? How do I go on from this place of not trusting into trusting? Well, God's the one that does the work. He helps you to trust. He gives you the strength to trust this morning. So I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand. Please stand with me this morning. If you feel comfortable, reach out to God this morning where you are. If you feel comfortable, say this. You can say it out loud or in your heart. Lord, I trust you. I lean on your unfailing love. I believe you will never let me down. You are a firm foundation. You shall never be shaken, and I shall never be shaken because I am your child. And you are my Father. I love you, Lord. We're going to just sing that bridge again. We're just going to keep going on that for a little bit. Stay in this moment. We'll see if we can have I will build my life. Thank you.
to Anthony now, who's going to lead us in a time of prayer. What a, what a wonderful moment to, uh, to come to God in prayer as we've been singing about that firm foundation that we have in him. And um, <clears throat> I just thought we could, we could do it a certain way this morning. Um, you've been st- I was going to ask you to stand up. You've been standing a long time, so um, I think you could say this sitting down. I've got a prayer put up um, on the overhead. And I thought we could say it together so we can focus on what we're saying. Now, there are some bits in brackets. That's the biblical reference. And it also at times says pause. So don't say the biblical reference. Don't say pause. Don't say the bits in brackets. Um, The pause is so that we can just stop just for a few seconds and just meditate on what we've just prayed. So let's start. We come to you this morning, to you the one and only true God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We approach your throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. You are the Father who meets all our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Just think on that for a moment. And then we'll go on. We thank you for the freedom we have to worship and remember those in prison for their faith as if we were fellow prisoners. We pray they may know your presence with them, that you will provide for, encourage, and protect all those who are persecuted. We thank you that the church is growing rapidly where there is persecution. Now, I'm going to say the next bit, and so you, you, you needn't to... I'll, I'll say this paragraph, and then you can come in. No, sorry, it's the next one. I'd like you to say this one, because this is, this is important that we bring our nation to God. And um, we have to ask, there's also a phrase, a, a word forgive in it. So let's say this one together. We bring to you our nation and are sorry that we have disregarded so many of your instructions on how to live and are now paying the price through social and political upheaval. Forgive us especially for the way The younger generation are confused, resulting in an epidemic of mental health problems. You may know somebody who may not necessarily be a young person, somebody who is suffering from mental health problems. Just lift them up in your heart or say their name out loud to the Lord. He's he's merciful. He wants to hear the name of that person that has on your heart who is suffering. 
and then I'll say the next paragraph, and then you can come in on the last one. We pray that you will give wisdom, humility, and compassion to our new prime minister and his government. We ask that they will listen and regain respect from the people of this country so we may be spared damaging strikes and social unrest. We pray for the people, Father, who work in the health service and social care and those who are there to be fairly rewarded and to stay in their jobs. We ask that Christians in all levels of government may powerfully share their values and there may be an increasing culture of prayer. And I'm just going to add two more things very briefly. Father, we pray for, the, uh, for an end to the war in the Ukraine. We just pray for peace there, Father. You are the God who, who causes wars to cease. And um, it tells us that in your word. And we'd ask you that that war may cease. And we pray that you will provide for the people of Ukraine this winter. Give them warmth and food and and may their power supplies be restored and may that grain terminal be opened again so that food can get out to the nations that need it. And Father, our hearts are not... We, 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 we yearn for the world around us. Um, we're, we're so sad and we think of the people that lost their lives yesterday in Seoul. And Father, we pray that you will comfort and you will draw near to those who are bereaved. So... Let's go to the last paragraph. This is about us. Lastly, we ask for ourselves. May you, Lord Jesus, comfort the elderly and housebound. And we pray we may see your healing of the sick. We desire that we may be strong in our faith and your Holy Spirit, knowing that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah, amen, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God bless you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you for leading us in those prayers. God loves to encounter us. Isn't he good? Isn't it wonderful that he... Uh, delights to meet with us and he loves to do that as we worship as we pray as we consider his word so i'm going to ask nathan now to uh, come and preach we have a problem um it, for those of you who aren't aware the uh sylvester household are down with covid at the moment um but uh, nathan was due to be preaching this morning so by the wonderful power of technology here's nathan to preach well, good morning. My name's Nathan. Um, fortunately, I can't be with you this morning. Um, we've got COVID in our house. We're all doing fine and recovering. Um, but yeah, it just means we're not around this morning. Um, but this morning, we are carrying on our series um, looking at the letter in the Bible to the Romans. It is a rich and excellent letter in the Bible for us as a church here in Alton today in 2022. To better both understand God and the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus, but also how we live out our lives as believers in a culture that doesn't believe God or doesn't know God. Romans is really a helpful reminder to each believer of how far we've come, of what we deserved, 
and yet what we have now received. And for those here this morning who haven't yet made a choice to follow Jesus, uh, yet this letter is an excellent signpost to the goodness and the mercy of God who made us for relationship with him and to know peace with God through Jesus. And so far, as we've looked at the book of, of the letter of Romans, we've looked at how in Romans the gospel of God is available to us and how that God then calls us to respond with our lives as a living sacrifice. We've looked at the righteousness of God that is given to us through faith in Jesus Christ and how that impacts our view of ourselves with humility. And we've looked at how we are justified by faith, that we are freed from the power of sin through Jesus' work on the cross by trusting in him. And how that leads us to love others with the love that we ourselves have received from God. And this week we are looking at the law. How does the Ten Commandments and the law of God fit into this gospel? How are we to respond to the law today in light of the grace of God? Is the law just a part of the Old Testament that is to be ignored or is it still relevant for us today? Is the law of God a blessing or a burden, a kindness or a trap? What is our relationship with the law as believers today? There's some big questions for us to look at today. I hope uh, they're questions which either you had already or maybe are starting to fall already now. And uh, when we come to understand that God is good and has made a way for all, every person who lives to come to know and believe in him, we can agree with Paul in Romans 1.16 when he says, The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul has then gone on to show us in this letter uh, our great need for the gospel. For he said in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because God is a just and righteous God, his wrath on the world is not only right, but needed. Each of us, each individual, has rejected God. Paul quotes earlier in Romans 3 from Psalm 14 that no one is righteous. No, not no one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It's not like any of us were born good. In Romans 5, Paul writes that we were born into Adam. In other words, as Adam sinned at the start of the human race and death came into the world, we're all born into that sin that he committed. And so all die through the one man, the sin that Adam committed. But so also we gain life through one man, through Jesus. You might think that's unfair, that the sin of someone else causes us to die. But with that same unfairness comes another unfairness, that we gain life through the actions of another, Jesus. The reality is, even though we inherit the sin of one man, we are also all guilty of our own sin. And yet as followers of Jesus, we still inherit the life and freedom given to us through one man, Jesus. 
And this life comes through faith, faith in following Jesus. As we put our faith in him, we are credited with righteousness, pardoned from sin and found not guilty. Jesus has taken our guilt, our shame, our sin upon himself in a transaction that has given us righteousness. We are justified before God, not through works, not through our own purity or holiness, not through our great ability to save ourselves, but justified through faith in Jesus. To accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, to accept that Jesus is enough, to accept, believe and trust that Jesus speaks in my defence. That his blood was spilled, that I may have life. And so Paul gets to this moment in his letter to the Romans, a mix of Gentiles and Jews, of non-Jews and Jews, to ask the question, looking back through the history of Israel, well, what really was the point of the law, of the Ten Commandments? If Jesus was going to cover our sin anyway, and does this law still apply to us even now? And so let's pick up uh, in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 uh, and from verse 11. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness, for sin will not rule over you, because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Do you not know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that of the that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thank God. That although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching you were entrusted to. And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Just skip down then to verse 22. But now, since you have been liberated from sin and become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification. And the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And then just on to chapter 7. Since I'm speaking to those who understand law, brothers, are you unaware that the law has authority over someone as long as he lives? For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law regarding the husband. So then, if she gives herself to another man while her husband is living, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. Then if she gives herself to another man, she is not an adulteress. Therefore, my brothers, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the crucified body of the Messiah, so that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we may bear fruit for God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions operated through the law in every part of us and bore fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law since we have died to what held us so that we may serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old letter of the law. What should we say then? 
Is the law sin? Absolutely not. On the contrary, I would have it known not I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, You shall not covet. And just skip down to verse 12 and 13. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. Therefore, did what is good cause my death? Absolutely not. On the contrary, sin, in order to be recognised as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. Let pause there. Let's just pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it opens up to us. We thank you for all that uh, reveals you in it and for the relationship that you desire. Now we pray, Lord God, would you come and meet with us as we look at your word, as we spend time just pulling apart a few of these verses. God, in these few moments, come and speak, come and bring freedom to us and propel us into a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before becoming a Christian, we were blind to God and blind to sin. Remember that verse that we read earlier. As for you, you were dead in your sins. The law was given to Moses and the people of God to mark them as his own. It was a blessing of God's care, his protection, his covenant. But it was also a mark of the God who was leading his people. For in that covenant with his people, the law reveals to us, firstly, the holiness of God, how perfect, righteous, just and good God is, but also our sinfulness, the separation from God for, for all mankind, the depth of, of, of the sin that we are in, the problem that we are in, our inability to be undead in sin. The law serves the purpose of these things, to point us towards an eternal relationship with the Father through receiving the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ and life in the Holy Spirit. That's why I personally have a bit of a problem in hearing someone who might say, I've been a Christian all my life. I'm not saying you're wrong, but where is the place for conviction of sin and repentance in that statement? We don't come out of our mother's womb repenting and aware of sin. At that moment, we are not aware of our sinfulness and aware of our, our need of saving. We might grow up in a Christian home or culture, but our need for grace and our need to repent is equal with every other human being. The law is good, and the law reveals to us our need for mercy and grace from God. I'm so grateful personally to have been brought up in a home with believing parents who who read the Bible to me, who introduced me to the family of God, the church, who prayed for me and with me, but they couldn't save me and couldn't do the work of the law. The law points us towards the need of a saviour. As an eight-year-old, I became aware of my sin, aware of my separation from God, and through the help of others and through the help of my parents, I was led to a place where I wanted to repent and follow Jesus. I've never been the same again. As a result of being saved, of experiencing the eternal mercy of God, the law doesn't reveal our ongoing sinfulness, for we've been made righteous in Christ. But rather, the law provides us with a healthy desire for 
living a life in the service and pleasure of our rescuer. We're not bound to the law, no longer under its condemnation, but we instead see life, love and joy in the delight of choosing to follow our maker. And as our lives are marked as a living sacrifice, as we heard about a few weeks back, the law is marked out on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. But it's important that we understand as believers, our goal isn't to chase after the law and to try and do what's right. That is not the goal of our lives. No, our goal is to chase after Christ. And as we chase after him, as we look to delight ourselves in him, as we treasure time spent with him, as we look at the way he lived and the way he died, what he prioritised and how he related to his heavenly father and to others around him, we see the way to live. We are changed by him, found with our identity in him. Our goal is to know Christ, not to do what is right, not to live a perfect life, not to follow the law. Our goal is to know Christ, to deeply and intimately know Christ. And as we spend time with Jesus, we are made like him, replacing our desires, our sinful desires with his good, perfect and holy desires. What a calling. What a wonderful, joy-filled calling. We so often miss this and so often get distracted into other things, trying to avoid sin, doing good deeds, getting life right and maybe not upsetting others. Our calling, believers, is to deep joy-filled, peace-filled, intimate friendship and adventure in knowing Jesus. Jesus said this in John 7, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Streams of living water flow through the believer who comes to Jesus and drinks of him. Theologian Charles Swindle puts it like this. He says, So what is our duty now as believers saved by grace our primary purpose is to know jesus christ personally with ever deepening intimacy quoting from philippians 3 if we read scripture pray meditate journal or fast let us do so for the sole purpose of knowing his mind if we worship serve partake of communion or spend time in the company of believers let us learn about him through his transforming work and others if we feed the the poor Defend the weak, comfort the lonely, or proclaim the gospel to a broken and needy world. Let our walking in his sandals give us first-hand knowledge of his character. Let every trial or triumph bring us closer to knowing Christ's nature and to understanding his purposes. The spiritual disciplines are not a means to holiness. They are a means of knowing Christ. But whilst we know that, is our aim. So often we end up agreeing with Paul at the end of chapter 7. For whilst we have been freed from the law, no longer bound to it, no longer under the law's condemnation, but under grace, free by the mercy of God, we still sin and still don't do as we want to do. Romans 7 
verse 15 to 25. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the with the law that it is good. So now I'm no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not practice the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want to, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this principle. When I want to do good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, to the law of sin. We have been freed from the law, and yet we still battle sin in our everyday life. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, a Pharisee, a teacher and strict holder of the law, even Paul comes to the conclusion of what a wretched man I am. And so, friends, if we have been freed from the law, that we are no longer under it, but we still sin. Have we been freed from sin? Yes and no. In a couple of weeks time, we'll come uh, on to how we have life in the spirit, how the Holy Spirit is the answer to our ongoing need of restraining from sinning. But this morning, what hope can we take from this passage? Let us remember that we each face temptation to sin every day. Jesus himself taught us how to pray. He said, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so it's important that we don't put ourselves on a pedestal thinking, well, we're untouchable to sin. No, Jesus wants to teach each of his followers, come and find strength in him. Come and bring your struggles with sin to him. Don't carry them alone. Don't think you can overcome them by yourself. Come to Jesus who carried our sin to the cross with him. Come to Jesus who overcame every temptation to sin, withstanding the trickery and deceit of the enemy. To live in the freedom from the law of God isn't to live as we please, thinking that grace is made even better the more that we sin. And it's not to remain living under the condemnation of the law, thinking that we just have to do better, just need to work harder. No, believer, we have been freed from the law. The law no longer condemns us. But instead we live with an awareness of how to please God. Before being married to my wife Jules, I, I didn't enjoy dancing too much, especially at weddings. And I would do it purely to try and fit in, to avoid judging comments of others really. You'd often find me really by the food, talking with the non-dancers. This other people relate probably, I'm sure. Because you were with me and yeah. yeah. But because I love to make her happy... I love to see her happy. I've taken the view that even if I look ridiculous, I'm going to dance because it brings Jules joy. And that brings me joy. In the same way, whilst we are free from the condemnation of the law, because I love God, I want to live in a way that pleases him. And what do I know that brings him pleasure? Well, firstly, it's relationship between us. But secondly, 
is through the law. That the, the law is God's way for us to live. He's given the law to help in relationship with him and with others. I can look at it to get a very good idea of how to live for his pleasure. So to finish, whilst we are clear that as believers we are therefore free from the law, how do we tackle the ongoing sin in our lives? Firstly, we come to Jesus in relationship and grace, not condemnation, as he encourages us to pray. Secondly, here are four proactive ways to fight against sin. Firstly, flee temptation. Secondly, do something that brings honour to God as an alternative. Thirdly, thank God for giving us the freedom to choose him. Fourthly, try to discern what triggers that temptation. As we conclude and uh, shift our focus towards our gift week, can I encourage us that even as we approach thinking about our gift week, we are free from the law. Friends, we do not have to give. Be freed from thinking that. We don't earn our salvation or the mercy of God. We have already received that in Christ. We have been made righteous through faith in Jesus. But we live with a desire to honour God and in relationship with God. So as Andrew comes up and um, to lead us in our giving, why not start by telling God just how much you love him, how grateful you are for Jesus, and then asking the question, what would you like me to use to give to this gift week? How can I honour you, God, with what I have? Everything you have given me is yours. How can I honour you with it in this gift week? I'm going to pray and Andrew's going to come up. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your law. We thank you that it's revealed both your holiness and our sinfulness and our great need to be rescued. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the grace that we have received through Jesus. We thank you for the mercy that we have received. We thank you for the life that we now get to live. We look forward to hearing in a few weeks time of, of the life and the spirit that we can now live. And God, we pray that we would honour you with our lives. That we'd live in the freedom from the law, but we'd live in a way in which we bring you pleasure because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, I just encourage us just to pause for perhaps another 30 seconds, minute. And uh, it's great to have Nathan lead us in prayer, but you may just want to top that off, as it were, and say, God, yeah, that's me. I want to express that to you. So we're just going to be quiet for a moment. Romans 8.1 says this, therefore, it's one of those amazing therefores of Romans, therefore, summing up all that uh, Nathan's taught us, there is no 
condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Friends, if you're sitting here today and you are feeling condemned, that's not of God. Okay, you don't need to be condemned. You can walk in the grace of God today. I just want to make that appeal to you. If you don't yet know the free gift of God's salvation, the gift of his mercy and love in your heart, and you would like to know that, can I encourage you, please come and have a chat with me afterwards, or if not myself, perhaps the person who brought you, uh, if you came with someone, we would love to help you know that free gift of, uh, uh, of condemnation being removed of the grace of God, of the love of God flooding your heart and life that you don't have to perform, you don't have to do anything apart from receive God's grace and mercy in Christ Jesus, his free gift of grace. So you can know that today, please know that and uh, if we can help you to explore that today we would love to do that. Uh, We though, as Nathan said, are going to come to our gift week and uh, I just very briefly want to remind us what it's about first and foremost I want to remind us this is for people who call Harvest Church their church if you're a guest here with us today if you're looking in on us today please feel under no obligation whatsoever to uh, to respond to give uh, as part of this gift week it's for us as a church Uh, The second thing I want to do is remind us what Nathan said. If you're feeling under any sense of pressure to give, then please don't. Okay, you heard that right? Please don't. Uh, Paul writing to the church in 2 Corinthians uh, reminds them about the importance of giving and particularly of giving to care for the poor, part of which our gift week is for today. And he encourages them to excel in uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, to excel in the grace of giving. And I want to reflect that to us today. It is an important grace thing to do, is to grow in the grace of giving, to excel in the grace of giving. Um, And then in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, he says, Give what was in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And I want to encourage us, let's take that approach. If you're feeling reluctant, you're feeling under compulsion, don't, don't feel you've got to give. But if in your heart you're thinking, God, I want to yeah, give of the bounty that you've given me, then please let's engage with him and let's respond to him as he guides and directs us. Um, the other thing I want to just uh, remind us is if you're uh, part of Harvest Church and you're not yet giving on a regular basis, could I just uh, highlight this flyer? It's over there on the table, giving as part of Harvest Church. Uh, we want to encourage Uh, each and every person who's part of Harvest Church to give on a regular basis to what we call our general fund. That's the fund which enables the ministry of this church to happen, um, to keep the lights on and uh, all the other things we do, Alpha, staff team, all that sort of stuff. So uh, we want to encourage you, start there. If you're not yet giving to Harvest Church, uh, but you're saying, yeah, I want to be part of this church, I want to express my commitment being part of this church, please start with this flyer and follow the instructions in there for giving on a regular basis. But if you're doing that and you still want to give to today's uh, offering, you'll find you've got a a gift envelope like that on a chair near you, if not the one you're sitting on. And um, what's this special offering for? Well, today's special offering, this gift week, 
which is happening this Sunday and next Sunday and throughout the week, um, we're using it for three things. We're going to give a tenth. That's a biblical principle of tithing. We want to give that to our uh, to uh, our family's mission. We're part of a family of churches called Commission. Uh, we're involved in uh, ministry into many, many nations of the world, uh, about 400-odd churches across the world. Uh, we're planting churches, and we want to give a tithe of what we give today to our family of churches to say this is part of our giving to support that mission. Um, and then the remaining 90% we're going to split into two halves. And uh, so 45% is going to go to a fund to help the poor and needy in and around Alton and this district. So 45% will go to that. Now, in the video we put out a few weeks ago, we talked about an Alton Church's Caring Fund. That hasn't happened yet. So what's going to actually happen is it will go into our church caring fund. And once that new fund is put into place, we will then transfer it across. But we just want to be transparent on that. It's not yet quite there. Um, but that is its destination. That is a fund to help the poor and needy of Alton. Uh, and that's not about just people in the church. That's people who have not anything to do with the church. We want to bless and support. And the other half, the other 45%, is uh, going to go towards uh, reducing our mortgage. When this building was built, you may not have been uh, part of the church when that happened. Uh, the church at that time took out a significant mortgage to enable this facility to be constructed. We are in the process of reducing that. We've made phenomenal progress over the last uh, six years, well, since the mortgage was taken out, we've paid off probably nearly 90% of it now, uh, but we've still got about £200,000 owing, and we want to give towards seeing that mortgage cleared, uh, that we don't have to continue to think about regular giving towards that. And, uh, uh, you yeah, this building is such a ministry of us as a church to this town. Even this last week, I was talking to uh, uh, some of the staff team in the building and they're telling stories of how people who've been in this building have been touched by God, even, not even necessarily knowing a church owns it or runs it, and yet uh, encountering God through us, through this ministry of this building. So we're so grateful for this facility, uh, but we'd love to see the mortgage cleared on it. So this is a, another offering towards getting that mortgage completely cleared. How do you give? Well, it's very simple. Uh, the instructions really all on the envelope. Um, if you want to put cash in the envelope, you're welcome to. If you want to put a check in the envelope, you're welcome to. If you stick your name on the front uh, and date it and put the amount, that really helps the people. And if it's gift-aided, tick the box on the back, that's really helpful. But most of us nowadays do online giving, don't we? And so you'll find the bank details are on the back there. So you can go away and you can uh, do your online giving in the comfort of your home. Uh, you've got the sort code, the account name, the account number, and just put reference gift week. Um, and, and that would be great. Well, you may even be in a place where you can't give yet, but you want to make a pledge. You want to say, I want to pledge to give this amount in this time frame. And on the back of the envelope in the orange box, there's a section there which you can fill in um, and you can make a pledge instead. So that's all the information. Um, we, when we take up our gift weeks, you know, it's part of worship. And so we love to come back to singing songs of worship as we take up our offering. And so the band are going to lead us in a song. Uh, this is an opportunity as we sing this song. If you want to fill in your envelope, you can. If you need a pen, there's four tables 
around the auditorium with pens and baskets on and you're welcome to fill in the, uh, fill in the offering envelope and then just pop it into one of the baskets when you're ready. And that may be during this song of worship, it may be uh, after the meeting, that's absolutely fine. Uh, so Katie and the band are going to help us to uh, celebrate God's goodness together. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Rossi, we're going to sing I'm Giving You My Heart, please. Thank you. If you'd like to stand, if you're able. Yeah. 
We love you, Lord. We want to give everything that we have to you. Our whole lives lived out for the glory of your name. Help us to do that, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We know we can't do it by ourselves. We need you living in us. Help us to resist temptation. Deliver us from evil, we pray. That you would be glorified. That your kingdom would come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Just two very quick things as we finish. If you're a guest with us uh, and uh, uh, you haven't yet received one of these, we call them our welcome packs. They're available on the table over uh, to your right near the doors you came in. Uh, can I encourage you to pick one up? It's got some information about who we are, but it's also got a guest card in it, a connect card in it. If you're able to fill that in and pop it in the offering box on the table before you leave, that would be much appreciated. And then the other thing I just want to highlight is this Tuesday evening, 8 o'clock here, we're gathering to pray. Prayer is so important. It's part of our uh, relationship with God. It's part of us expressing our trust in God and putting our trust in God. And so please, if you're able to, come and join us this Tuesday evening, 8 o'clock, as we have an hour of prayer together. Thanks so much.